Howdy, Cats and Kittens. This is Jim Heath, a.k.a. the Reverend Orton Heath. You're listening to Eclectica Cafe, the baddest of the bad. Hey there, everybody. It's Chance and Dustin, Eclectica Cafe, and we are talking about selling out. Just the concept of selling out, and I'm going to ask Dustin a little bit what prompted him to want to discuss this topic. But uh, before we get into that, we just want to remind you guys where you can find us, facebook.com slash Cafe. Twitter, our handle is at Eclectica Cafe, soundcloud.com slash Eclectica Cafe, where you can find all of our MP3s as well as iTunes. Uh, more importantly, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, give us a subscribe and a thumbs up on those videos that you like. Also, eclecticacafe.com, where we've been posting a good amount of blogs lately on some provocative topics, so be sure to check that out. We, uh, as always, we like to stress to you guys that it's really important for you to like and share this content on whatever social media you prefer, whatever platform you're watching us or listening to us on, so we can get this out to as many people as possible. We don't ask for anything else from you guys. We don't ask for any sort of monetary compensation for doing what we do. All we ask is for you to like, subscribe, thumbs up, share this stuff with your friends, whatever. So, so yeah. Uh, the prompt for wanting to do this was our AFI interview. Oh, yeah, that's right. Adam Carson. Did you get that those comments pulled up from that guy? I, I did. Okay. Uh, I forgot about that. Right, Rising on 7 was his name, and he, he left us a couple of... We were having a back and forth in the comment section on the video. Um, so it kind of like, it kind of got me... I've, I've been wanting to do this like we talked about doing this episode a couple of times so i figure it's still relatively mm-hmm. new as far as our videos go well this is kind of, i mean it's it's relevant yeah it's it's always it's not necessarily an untimely topic but right. i've been this is the first time we've been in here recording that's in true. months so that's true we have we we're back into the studio with some new lighting mm-hmm. so the punk rock mentality is as soon as a band becomes popular, they've sold out. That's kind of like like it's been like that since for as long as right. I can remember. I mean, if you even play a guitar solo, at least you know back in the day, like yeah, had a lot of the DIY dives and stuff. If there was like a band that would play a guitar solo, they would be you know too. I don't know. Not not a uh, raw enough, not, right? Yeah, or if like, they had if they had too much harmonies, or right? They, like there's yeah. all these there's all of these rules. For a movement that's all about nonconformity, which always struck me as hilarious. Yeah, and I've often said, and I would, I'm pretty proud of this, that you know, that I I came up with this because I've never heard anybody else say this. But like people like that, to me, it's like when you nonconform for the sake of nonconformity, that is that's conformity, conformity right? I mean, is. when you go against the status quo just for the sake of going against the status quo, that's like its own. It's like a sub, mm-hmm. you know. Sub. And there's there's a set way to do that, and there's there's a set yeah X Y Z. So so we're gonna I guess we're gonna be really dealing with two two primary things when when we're dealing with popular bands. One is their popularity, and two is their change in style. Um, the band I will probably reference the most is AFI because I mean who has changed their style as drastically as AFI especially in the punk rock genre especially in punk rock um, so we did we interviewed Adam Carson which was really cool and he was a really awesome guy 
Um, we did a little fanboy out. I mean, honestly, we got oh, the yeah. interview like spontaneously. Mm-hmm. We were totally at that show, not anticipating getting the interview because we were told by the label they wouldn't have time. Adam said, you know, I've got time. Let's go do this. And so we did. Um, so because of the spon- spontaneity of the moment, we didn't have any research done and we didn't have, I mean, not that we need to research AFI all that much, but like there was no, there was no set list of questions that we usually have and so on and so forth. So we kind of just went like, it sounded like you had been thinking about this for a while. Mm-hmm. So you had a couple more like legit questions that we well, would ask a band like AFI the and, thing- and mine were more. Oh my god! I'm about Adam music and yeah. <laughs> well, the questions that I had were in hopes that we'd get to interview Davy or at least Jade because I wanted to talk just like what we always talk about here. Like a good majority of the time when we talk about any issue, no matter how light it is, we always try to bring it around to some sort of social relevancy with that issue. So right. the ideology of the band, they're they're pretty outspoken about their being straight edge right. you know and that's right. i wanted to talk to them about that like some inconsistencies that i'd seen with that movement and then also i thought it would be important to talk about like the evolution of the band where they've they started and where they are now and and how so many of their original fan base has rejected them because right. of that so i don't know i don't know if Adam and I don't want to short sell Adam, right. but I don't know if he was necessarily equipped to discuss like well, the yeah, straight and, edge and, stuff. And he made the point too. I'm just the drummer. I don't have anything to do with the concepts of the album. I just lay down the skins. You know right? What I mean? Yeah. So, like so, that's 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 an uh, fair. Yeah, and and I remember things. when he said that, I kind of was like, all right, we're going to shift gears a little bit and primarily just talk about their music. And I mean, we're. We take a journalistic approach at the at talking to people, right? But that doesn't mean that we can't also be fans of the people, fans of yeah, yeah and and nerd out a little bit or yeah. geek, you know, like get kind of flustered when we talk to them because we are fans of what they do, right? Um, we don't necessarily have to just because some people may think that we need to like grill them on certain things. We may not hold those same positions, as right? No, people. and and that I think kind of cuts to the core a little bit Mm -hmm. is we have and i'm speaking mostly primarily for myself but i know we have we we have a similar belief on this we have an appreciation whether or not we actually like the album we like the band and so the album whether or not it's one of our favorites is still by the band and therefore it's an album that we have and it's an album that we have a certain appreciation for uh like you liked crash love and i really didn't Mm -hmm. like you you gave it a lot more than i did anyway yeah i mean i'm not crazy about it but it's like it's afi so i'm gonna like you said i'm gonna like i've got crash love Mm -hmm. i just that's not one that i've listened to honestly it's probably my least favorite of theirs but i like i mean there's there's things about it that grow on you sure you know but so um so stylistically bands evolve uh and and just because they start in one genre doesn't mean they have to stay in one genre. Traditionally, sure, a band gets pigeonholed into a genre and they did that on purpose and because that's the kind of music they want to make and that's the music they'll make forever. Slipknot will always be a metal band. Uh, the Wailers will always be a band. The Misfits band. are, I mean, the like, Misfits I will said, always be a punk I even rock said band. to Adam, I was like, you know, you hear the Misfits, you know you're going to hear the Misfits. You know what you're going to get when you and, listen to the yeah, Misfits. And, 
you know what I think that that was us trying to to raise the point of how the a, right. how AFI has changed and evolved. And right. It's like one of my favorite bands is Suicidal Tendencies, but when you or Slayer, you know, like right. you pick up an album from either of those bands, you know what you're gonna get. Rollins put it you know? put it great when he was talking about Slayer. It's basically they just put them on ice between records, so they still think it's 1986. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what you're gonna get, but it's yeah. all it's always fucking great. Yeah. But, those bands don't really change. There's not there's not as much change. And so evolution of sound, uh, regardless of how, what it does up to popularity, we'll get to popularity in a second, but evolution of sound does not equate to a sellout. Um, so long as, and this is, this is the thing that I think punk rockers, especially casual punk rockers and people who like are just, oh yeah, punk rock is so cool, when this isn't even punk rock. But, uh, like, like punk rockers just, it has to be the same record every time. Because that's what they get. Hey. Both of them are trying to attack me. Because that's what they get from bands. That's what, that's what they get from bands like The Misfits. That's yeah. what they get from Agnostic Front. An Agnostic Front record's always going to be in your face, balls mm-hmm. out. Um, a Misfits record's always going to have goofy little horror references you know there's the so when i mean it could be argued that the misfits have devolved with jerry only taking only (laughs) over as the front man probably a whole other video yes um but so you you know what you're getting though like like and and because of that because that is the that is traditionally how it goes with with scenes especially punk rock um as soon as a band changes something about their sound somebody says oh you're a sellout Mm -hmm. like just because they want to be artists means they've sold out. Like to me, the thing that that really sets the to, the two different things apart mm-hmm. is if they changed, if they pull a Papa Roach, and they change their style based on the trend, or then five yeah, finger death punch. Call sell. No, Five Finger Death Punch didn't change for the trend necessarily. They, five Finger Death Punch was created for the trend. Okay. Like it's because metal. Because everybody that when people bring up Five Finger Death Punch and I'm like fuck I would rather fucking blow my head <laughs> off to listen to that band. People are like, well, they used to be like really fucking no, like no, they haven't like Lamb changed. Of God. They, no, everybody says that to me. No. Everybody tries to argue that with they, me. They're like, they used to be so fucking heavy. And I'm they like, are making an invalid argument because if you listen to The Way of the Fist, their first record, it sounds exactly like. Uh, whatever their most recent one heaven and hell or something heaven doesn't want me or hell doesn't want me and i'm something i don't remember what it has some something to do with that dichotomy and yeah it's it they keep making the same record that's why i don't like five finger death punch i think ivan moody ivan moody is a fantastic vocalist really i think i do i think it sounds i really do really gr- i think but it sounds like everything he does in five finger death punch is super like stunted and not even close to his. It sounds potential. like the metal version of Nickelback. Kind of his vocals, but you like Nickelback too. I, so. I appreciate Nickelback, okay. sure. So you, but no, but you no. have so no skin in this argument. I Ivan Moody put out a record uh, before he was in Five Finger Death Punch with a band called Motograder, and on that one record, he does more vocally than he's done in six Five Finger Death Punch records. So I I appreciate Ivan because I know what he can do. What okay. he does in Five Finger Death Punch is fucking two dimensional and absolutely just Andrew. so he can get radio play. So let's let's differentiate then. What's the difference between a band like AFI changing and evolving their sound because they're being artistic? At least that's the claim that they would make, and that's right. what we're trying to argue. Yeah, no, and that's a legit as claim. opposed to 
bands like Five Finger Death Punch that are being radio friendly. All right, so changing to be radio, and 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 the thing too, AFI is very radio friendly now. They have been for some of their since, stuff since Sing the Sorrow. They, their singles, yeah, but they don't get on radio. the radio anymore. That's true. Not since uh, not terrestrial radio anyway. Yeah, not since uh, December Underground. December Underground, I think, was the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, so all right, so first and foremost, uh, I, I really, I'm, I'm really going to shoot down the the evolution theory behind. Uh, Five Finger Death Punch's sound because they haven't evolved. They have not done anything mm. new for six records. I, I think they've put out six records. It might be five. I don't remember. But they haven't done anything new. Like I literally, when I was coming here, I heard another Five Finger Death Punch song and I was like, wow, this sounds just like every other Five Finger Death Punch song I've heard. Ivan's going to scream now and now he's going to talk to the to the crowd and now he's, you know, there's... there's it's metal by numbers. Yeah. It's, it's so predictable. Um, so, that... Versus what AFI has done to be to their sound is mm-hmm. AFI legitimately evolves every record. You don't know what you're going to get when you when you turn it on. Yeah, like that's that's a primary difference. And the record that they thought was going to be the most successful was the one that did the least well. Crash Love. Okay, I actually just was watching an interview that they did on Yahoo. Uh, oh, where is that the one where they go over every album? Yeah, they, it's that's really, really cool. cool. When yeah. they're talking about Crash Love, they were like, we're coming off of, what was it, December Underground, which was our most commercially successful mm-hmm. album. And so we thought this was just going to continue that Shoe upward in, trend. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't. So, you know, it's... I it's, heard Medicaid on the radio once, I think. Terrestrial radio. Uh, probably a 93.3 mm-hmm. or something, right? Yeah, it's exactly what it was. So... I actually heard uh, Girls Not Grey on Punk Tacos on my way home from work yesterday. It was fantastic. I was like, hey, I like these guys. Anyway, um, so their evolution is they don't – because they thought they were making a more poppy-sounding record, they thought in their heads, they're like, oh, shit, this is going to be probably even more successful than December Underground. And it turned out to be a crash. So the things that they do to no change – <laughs> The things that they do to change, uh, they don't do them specifically to get more listeners. Because if they did that, then they just do December Underground again. Mm-hmm. They do something that sounds like December Underground. Crash yeah. Love doesn't sound like December Underground. Yeah. Crash Love is bright and almost happy sounding. Well, and the cool thing, yeah, it is. It's very, it's pretty upbeat. And actually. then Burials is super, super dark, dismal. very and, dismal, and bleak mm-hmm. and like that is probably the darkest and Davey even said in that interview it's the the most conceptually dark album they've done lyrically yeah well you can tell and this is why I feel like they're not selling out like you can really tell where the band is or at least the songwriter Davey and maybe Jade where they are in their lives based on based on the album the tone of the album yeah and and like I think Dave even said like he was in a dark place. And he was in a dark... Like, he said, I wanted to write something that was more optimistic, but that's just where I was. Right. And I couldn't force myself to, to, to write something. Right. You know, and like I said, the the joke... I mean, if, if they're selling out, then I guess the joke's on AFI because, like I said, since December Underground, they haven't, they haven't been... Well, I mean, it depends it, on what your, very, what your yeah. you know, view on success is, but right. they, they haven't been commercially... Right. 
they rec- haven't recognized they haven't, since December Underground. They haven't necessarily expanded their audience since December Underground. They've basically mm-hmm. kept mostly the same people, and I'm sure they've lost quite a few. As right. as uh, what is his name, Rising on Seven, cl- made the claim. You know, they they lost a lot of fans. It's the first thing he said in the comment section is that the guy and, that you were going back yeah, and forth with. He said AFI lost a lot of fans, and I think they're realizing this. Well, well go I don't through know, that that conversation you had with. So him. yeah, so basically that he, his first comment was that they lost a lot of fans, and they're re, they're realizing this, so they're trying to reinvent themselves and reconnect with their fans. No, I again, I I feel like they lost a lot of fans since when? Since I'm sure I'm 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 totally making assumptions here, but I'm sure he got turned on to AFI roundabout. Uh, December Underground, possibly seeing the sorrow. I'm only assuming that he's younger than us. So is he making an argument for that genre then? Like that they sold out since December Underground? I, th- I think so, yeah. Not prior to because everybody else made the unless, argument. Unless unless he's unless he he became a fan roundabout then and then heard their previous stuff. Like I, he doesn't give a frame of reference, so okay. I don't know a hundred percent. But my assumption is yes. Uh, he probably found them roundabout December Underground. So he doesn't give a frame of reference. So my assumption, because most people who like AFI, uh, a, a, a vast majority, found them at one of those two albums, depending on your age. Which two? December Sing. Underground or Sing the Sorrow. Okay. Um, so my assumption with Rising on Seven is that he found them on one of those two records, went back and saw where they started, which was pretty rough, crusty mm-hmm. kind of goth punk. Well, it was skater punk first. Super duper skater yeah. punk. And then, and then, and then the, uh, uh, Black Cells kind of marked when they made that little goth switch, and then Sing the Sorrow was kind of the apex of the punky kind of sound of the goth end, and then they got a little bit more pop on December. So my assumption is... That he found them on one of those two albums, went back and saw that evolution, and went, "Oh, they sold out after they stopped being gothy." Yeah, like which well, again, burials they kind of go back to that darker imagery. So, like, I, I don't know where yeah, that argument well, comes t- from. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, and I think most people, most AFI fan, most people that have remained AFI fans, cite "Sing the Sorrow" is like their pinnacle. As... See, and to me, it's "Art of Drowning." But anyway, that's. The... <laughs> I really like when Jay. I like was still I like Art of Drowning new. also, yeah. but um, I think Sing the Sorrow is artistically probably a, a more dynamic album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say so. Um, so then I, I he he goes on to say uh, they want to be rock star. They have to ask themselves: Do they want to be rock stars? Do they want to be seen as artists? Uh, and they need to come out of their bubble and look around and take a band like Opeth. That's a fine example of evolution. Now, it's funny that he draws the comparison to Opeth because Opeth very, very consciously changed their sound after Watershed. Opeth put out a fucking phenomenal album called Watershed that I wish I had written because it literally has every element, well, not every, but most elements of uh, actual hand uh, guitar in hand style music that I would ever want to make on an album. So there's 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 these weird folky elements which kind of have roots in like a country kind of sound, but they're from Sweden, so it's a lot more like uh, dwarves and hobbits yeah, and right. kind of that kind of feeling to it. But yeah. then there's also super super heavy stuff and then there's the really intricate beautiful singing mm-hmm. and 
So that album, very, very it, it's much. a it's a good showcase for everything oh that they God. can do. And then, but they called it watershed for a reason because a watershed moment, you know, you're going one way, that watershed moment changes your direction. Everything they've done since then has been very like acid rock kind of seventies prog stuff. So no screamed vocals, no growling, mm-hmm. no no super aggro anything. Just very much five musicians five yeah five musicians playing to the their peak they're still incredible musicians and they're still showing that off but it's a different it's a very different style they went from a obviously heavy metal band to a hard rock prog band um and so like that was that was uh i'm tired of of being pigeonholed uh, that uh, the the michael I can't pronounce his last name. The lead singer slash he is Opeth dude. Uh, that is a very conscious decision that he made for his band. I don't think AFI has made some sort of like we're done with this genre. It's it's very fluid. Very fluid. Very there fluid. Are, there are elements in all of their records mm-hmm. as they become more dynamic. There are yeah. definitely elements in all of their records that like that's that's their punk influence coming through in this yeah. song, and that's their. Uh, pop influences coming through. It's song. like they're not putting out an album that's like, here's a skater punk album, and right. then here's a goth punk album, right. and then here's more of an electronic punk album, and then here's more of a poppy punk album. Like it's a a smooth transition from one to the other. So it's like almost like there's no if if you just like lined up every AFI song chronologically without an album to differentiate them, it would be almost like there would, you could see no division right. between it because it's, it's transitioned so smoothly. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, and it, it's it, like, I picture it in my hand, it, it head. It's like a cone. They started at the, the narrow end of the cone yeah. because they played one genre. They were this one thing. And then they started, you know, they they, uh, they got a new bass player in Hunter. And Hunter kind of changed the sound a little bit. He got he was a little bit better bass player than they had before. And then Jeff Kresge. And then that. and then uh, they got da- or Jade. And Jade changed the sound. And, and like it's it's they took what they were doing before mm-hmm. and added to it they didn't just stop doing it right and now they have so many of those elements that it sounds like a different band if you were to play if you were to go back to like 1989 and play for davy the blood album like he would i'm sure he would like it Mm -hmm. but he would be like that's not my band right right you know what i mean Mm -hmm. So like it's they started off as this one thing and then they've grown and that makes sense. Their evolution. I have a, a really close friend who is probably a bigger musical encyclopedia than I am. He probably is a bigger musical encyclopedia than I am. Uh, used to love AFI. Thinks that they were one of the best punk rock bands ever. As of Sing the Sorrow, he stopped liking them mm-hmm. because. But he didn't stop appreciating them. It just wasn't for him anymore. It just wasn't yeah. for him anymore. Well, I mean, and you you mentioned Hunter and Hunter coming in, and then Jade coming in. Just look at Davy's vocals from where where they were in 1993 or whenever Very Proud of You came out to right. where it is now. Like, I mean, it was very much just like this hardcore kind of, you know, just, just very guttural. choppy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And now. Davey, I think, is like a world. Sings. He's a world class singer. Yeah. Like he's not just like somebody who belts out 
aggressive listen to the song december underground like he's got a beautiful voice like he's an amazing singer and like even that dream car album well i mean especially (laughs) something like that like that's not something he shows up that's yeah that's not something that is is my favorite project of his but he's he's showing his his musical prowess and his vocals in something like that but then he can also do a record like extremist with jade where right. he's where it's back to that sound that mm-hmm. they had back in 93 or i mean i think even a, a, the best example almost of of showing how they can expand is black audio where right you know it's i like think this depeche mode-esque kind yeah of and i i described it just yesterday i was like black audio to me is a combination of depeche mode New Order and Nine Inch Nails. That's if you put if you could took all three of those and meshed them together. That's what I think it would be. But yeah, I could see that. Um, like in December Underground, there were a lot of electronic beats in that, and I think that they wanted to expand into doing something solely electronic, and that's where that came from. But I mean, like you think of again, like you the influences in something like Black Audio. You have, like I said, Depeche Mode and New Order and Nine Inch Nails. I think is where a lot of what I would cite as the influences mm-hmm. for those groups. I don't know what the band personally would cite as their influences, but, but like um, audi- you can tell auditory. What you know, in back in the early '90s when AFI started out, I think Davey would say his biggest influence would have been Glenn Danzig. Oh, for sure. He had so, so like you, I mean, you think of like Danzig, and you think of Depeche Mode, New Order, and Nine Inch Nails. Like these are complete. You know, from Very Danzig to Depeche Mode, sounds, like yeah. so, you can see he's utilizing his his range of influences, yeah. and that to me is really cool because you're not just you're not pigeon pigeonholing yourself into not only a musical genre but your influences. Right. You know, you can and and that to me is also shows a lot of confidence as a musician because you can say, you know, I'm uh, I'm going to take a risk in in doing something more artistic, more ballsy that. I'm hoping is going to grab a new generation of fans or a new, right. at least a new group of fans, not necessarily right. a new generation, but so, yeah. So I come back with, uh, there are plenty who disagree with your parallel. Cause he said, Opeth was a fine example of evolution. And he, and so I came back with that. I'm there. Are, I know people who wholeheartedly disagree with that because Opeth went from a very heavy metal album to, or a very heavy metal band to a not heavy metal at all mm-hmm. band. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, they, and then I say they, they, there's a similar uh, evolution. We've already covered that. They, they made a conscious. We're not. We're done with this genre uh, mm-hmm. decision. Um. Wow, I'm really wordy sometimes, aren't I? <laughs> So artist versus rock star. This was that was the thing that I I feel like was one of the first things is this this guy. I'm again. I'm only assuming his gender and I'm assuming his age or mm. r- approximation of his age. Um, says that they, that they have to be one or the other. They have to be either rock stars or artists. They can't be both. And I and I wholeheartedly disagree. Artists. Uh, artists do what they want, and if they become popular, then they become rock stars, and if they still do as they want and not what is dictated to them, then they're still artists. Mm-hmm. They're not just rock stars, yeah. and that's definitely what's what's happening, because like you brought up, they do black audio. If they wanted, if they wanted to be just doing one genre of music, they wouldn't do the black audio product. 
if they they wouldn't do the extremist record, you know, the, these things would not happen. Yeah, if they and only I mean, wanted one thing. I don't think that they would do the having the fan base that they have now, which is so broad. I don't think that something like extremist was done with the intention of making a lot of money. No, you know not what I mean. At all. Like extremist, extremist is a very niche sort of. That, no, yeah, absolutely. Like uh, we after after you left before uh, they came out after the show. Yeah, um, we were talking to a kid who's <laughs> who travels the country. He follows them like people follow the Grateful Dead, and uh, he caught the two or at least one of the two extremist performances yeah. in San Francisco. And they played that extremist. Those two performances were played. The first one was to, he said, like 50 people. The second one was bigger. But the first one was to a very small audience because they didn't announce it. There was there was no, it was just, we want to perform these songs live. Like, Let's go perform yeah, these songs Yeah, do it like live. gritty underground. Yeah. Like, yeah, back in the, you know, when they probably started out in the early 90s. And then, and then people got wind that there was going to be a second performance. So the second performance was bigger, but still was nowhere near an AFI performance. Mm-hmm. There's no, not even a comparison. Right. So like to, to say that they, that they even want to be big rock stars is also, I feel like not giving them the credit they're due because if they wanted to be big rock stars, then any of their little things that they're doing for publicity they would try and get publicity for. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a lot of commercial publicity for Black Audio. The, no, not Black Audio, but the I was saying specifically December Underground. Oh yeah, because I think again it was something that they were artistically doing that just happened to uh, gain. Yeah. yeah, it just happened to gain that momentum. I think the music they were writing at the time was. Uh, you could you it, it aligned very well with like that screamo kind of mm-hmm. 2005 2006 era and so they just happened to kind of ride that wave and gain some success and notoriety that way like i remember uh, one of the songs off of december underground being in the tv show smallville right yeah yeah and again i just think that that was a consequence of them being successful that i time. also like, like brian setzer in uh he started the brian setzer orchestra in 92 or 93 he put out two albums before the swing craze hit in 1998. And then he just happened to put out a a new album that year with the, the single jump drive and whale on there. And it, and it blew up. It was huge. And he played Woodstock. It got, you know, it was on TV shows and stuff like that. And I mean, I guess you could all those same sort of people like that you were discussing with this guy could say could make the argument that Brian such a sold out but like no he was doing that shit like yeah. for all all of the 90s beforehand and then just happened to put something out that was good well timed right. with the, what was popular at that time so yeah i mean I, I think afi is also another good example of that yeah and and also they were on a major label at the time so mm-hmm. the label it's not that they necessarily were like oh we want to be rock stars the label wanted to make money make, so. yeah yeah well and sort of this is very just coincidental but they were on interscope when again they rode that wave of kind mm-hmm. of the emo thing right. brian setzer was on interscope when he rode the swing wave and you know who the uh I think he was CEO of Interscope was at the time. Um, uh, man, for, Brian Setzer, for Brian Setzer, not for AFI. I think Peter Paterno. Fred Durst. Really? In, no shit. In 98, he was the CEO of Interscope Records. 
Wow. <laughs> well, and like it's so funny too because, th- and this is. I think kind of kills the argument that that this guy that you're talking to back and forth was making is I was talking to the Reverend Horton he uh last month right and I was we were talking about how he kind of was in that that era of the swing genre too right again he was on Interscope Records at that time he put out one or two albums on Interscope and I said I I addressed with him I said I noticed that all my favorite bands now nobody's on a big label anymore mm. Like, you might have somebody like Kanye West is on a big label, but, like, Brian Setzer's been on an indie label for years. AFI's on uh, Velvet Hammer, I think is what it's called. I don't even know. Indie label. (laughs) Um, All these, all my favorite bands, nobody's on a big label anymore. And I think that that's indicative of the time that we're in right now where album sales don't mean shit really anymore. They're so insignificant, so Mm -hmm. insignificant. Concerts are what what bands are depending on merchandise sales merchandise these sort of things and, and licensing yeah getting their song in smallville yeah and when you're on a smaller indie label like that and you're you're out from under the thumb of something like interscope you have more creative control one of the reasons brian setzer left interscope was because he said i felt like i was um i was tired of being like trying not necessarily competing but i was in the same sort of level as like Britney Spears and Backstreet Boys. Right. Whereas like I, I didn't have any creative control of what I wanted to do anymore. So right. left and went to a smaller label and you know, it's, it's sort of a unfortunate thing that these bands can't make money like they used to off of album sales. But a silver lining to that is that they can go to these smaller labels and have a lot more creative freedom. And um, I think that that's maybe where you see less financial success with AFI is because they're they doing have, what they're wanting. They're not right. being pressured to maybe do something that's right. more commercial. They don't have that commercial machine behind mm-hmm. them saying, we need a hit that's three and a half minutes or right. shorter. And, and you know what's interesting too is like I mentioned, Setzer and AFI were both on Interscope and they both had really big success with with those two, with the albums that they put out while they were with those labels. And... um for example, with Setzer, it was Jump, Jive, and Whale. Right. And I remember seeing an interview with him years ago where he said he didn't even want to put that on there. Like He's like, I had a, we, we put enough cover songs on this right. album. I don't want to do another cover. But he was told you know, we're, it would be a good idea to do this one song. So he did it, and that was the, the successful single on that. Right. AFI... I think it was maybe that same interview that you were the Yahoo yeah, interviews the, where they didn't they said that they Ms. didn't Murder. even want to do Miss Murder. Yep. AF or Davey was like, "Yeah, I think that we'll leave that one off," but they were, you know, coerced into putting it on there, and that's what turned out to be the yeah. the popular commercial hit. The other thing that I felt was really funny about this back and forth uh, before we kind of like we'll probably come to a close here real quick, but. Uh, the other thing that I thought was really funny was uh, in he made a point about how they're how we're all being enablers by letting them make subpar music, like buying this music. But yeah, yeah, and then and then making excuses for it. He says uh, AFI are just are just lazy, plain and simple. We don't need to make excuses as to why their music is mediocre these days. Uh, mediocrity. There is a technical way to define mediocre, you know, simplicity uh, with with little effect. It's subjective, though. But it is, by and large, yeah. very subjective. Um, 
So he feels like they're making mediocre music, and therefore he is the one that is, you know, projecting onto them. Right. Um, so he says, uh, we, in a sense, become enablers, encourage, encouraging their self-destructive path. AFI needs to hear constructive but harsh criticism or they won't ever wake up. <clears throat> or they won't ever wake up. Uh, there, there was a time when AFI had drive and passion... Uh, this is almost but entirely lost. How do I mean? How does he know? What how does they, exactly does he know these people personally? Exactly. Right. So they they and then he says these guys live in a bubble. It's time to pop their bubble. Um, fuck their feelings again. Hating on these guys won't help because they'll just feel some bullshit form of validation. Hence, not changing. So they'll they'll continue on their destructive path if we say you suck AFI. No, they won't give a shit if we say you suck mm-hmm. AFI because they're, they're doing what, what they, they want to do yeah. and they feel confident that what they want to do is going to continue to make them money. Uh, and again, that's not necessarily that their driving factor is the money, but their driving factor is creativity without having to work a day job. Right. Yeah. Well, and to go along with that too, there's a video on YouTube of Henry Rollins addressing people who say that punk bands have sold out, you know, and, right. and he's kind of like the one that I was, I was referencing before that, like when you would back in the day play in a DIY punk club, right. people would be, you know, you play a solo and be like, get off the stage free bird or whatever. <laughs> and, and he makes a really good point and I'll read, you know, this transcription of what it, he yeah, says. Yeah. He says, I wonder if it ever occurred to people that the reason the music of these interesting and alternative bands is being recruited for advertisements is because their fans are now the ones calling the shots. In other words, we've arrived. Of course, the ad is trying to sell you something. He's talking about like punk songs being in commercials, you know, and selling out. Of course, the ad is trying to sell you something and to gain your confidence by exploiting the band's integrity for a commercial end. So what? You're not a fucking moron, are you? You can see that through that, don't you? What would you rather hear? Iggy and the Teddy Bears doing I'm a Punk Rocker in a car ad or enduring some generic background music. Do you have any idea what some of these bands went through to make that music? The fact that there might be some money for them all these years later is great. You think that paycheck is in any way a slight to their integrity? Are you fucking kidding me? Pay them. Pay them double. Pay them now. It's about fucking time. So, I mean, the great point that he makes is like, if you want these bands to survive... And you want them to be able to continue to put out music, especially now when album sales are really don't mean you shit. Get nothing. For yeah. Them. Give them, you know, let them put their 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 music in in ads or TV shows or whatever. Like it's see, the, and the, and I think the distinction there too is they didn't write that song for that ad. Mm-hmm. Like to right. say that that. They're, the fact that they're making money with their music now means they've sold out would imply that they're making the money specifically or they're making the music specifically for the money. And I, I cannot buy that that's what AFI is doing. That does not register as true mm-hmm. with me. Um, I do not buy that Iggy and the Stooges, I'm a punk rocker. Like, or it wasn't the Stooges, was teddy it? Bears. it was teddy Bears. Teddy yeah. Bears. Iggy and the Teddy Bears. Even Teddy Bears, I'm a punk rocker. Like, 
they obviously didn't write that song so it would be in a, in a somebody heard that song and said, "Hey, mm-hmm. I can sell a car to this music. Let me pay them a lot of money." By all means, but this like like writing a jingle for somebody that's kind of selling out. Mm-hmm. Like I can buy, I'll buy into. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna give you a thousand dollars for every second that this song is, and it has to be about our cars. Yeah, sure, that's a sellout. Absolutely. But writing a song and then somebody later saying, hey, I want to use your song, how is that a sellout? That's them making money. That's them being smart business mm-hmm. people. Well, and some kid's going to hear that too and be like, what was that song? And they're, what's, yeah. the, what's the thing that, because we don't Shazam. Have, Shazam. I mean, that's another way to discover music. Is, exactly. You know, go find that ad online and be like, what was that song? I've, like, I've done that before. Like, if I hear a background track on like a car ad or something like that, I've done that yeah. tons of times. And I try to f- track down what that tune was. Yeah. You know, and I just hope that it wasn't just a jingle that somebody wrote, but it was like, that was a really catchy riff. There's a, there's a, there's a really great example of this. Uh, Mastodon a few years ago did a, did a cover of one by three dog night. Um, the only place this cover exists as far as I know is in a commercial for a video game. But they're all big nerds, so I wholeheartedly believe that they did that so that they could all get free copies of the video game. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> not not and, and it's and it's fantastic. I mean, I don't know that Mastodon really can do anything that's not phenomenal, but they it it's it's like the coolest version of one is the loneliest number that you're ever going to hear and you only get and a minute a and a half of it yeah that's uh, a really good song so yeah so, but and so on and and, and I, that's kind of the point we, uh, that I kind of want to leave on this is just because you feel like a band isn't making good music doesn't mean they've sold mm-hmm. just because you feel slighted by one of your favorite bands changing their sound doesn't mean they've sold out just means they want to do something different Mm-hmm. So, uh, remember the website, eclecticacafe.com. Uh, if you like what you saw here, click that subscribe button, uh, follow us. If you're new to the page, if, if you've never seen one of our videos before, definitely click the subscribe button then. Click the like button. And uh, thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you next time.